0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Andrew. I'm the senior minister of St Mark's. It's good to be speaking to you today about that. Well, probably all still a bit in election mode since yesterday, and we've seen a lot of politicians recently, haven't we? Now, Jesus wasn't a politician, but I think if he was, he might have fired his campaign staff, because we've just heard the famous story of Jesus saying to his disciples let the children come and speak to me because they were stopping them coming. You know, and obviously the disciples didn't know what a good photo opportunity looks like for a leader, you know, spending time with children and being seen to be caring with them. That's a great move for a prospective leader. Fantastic picture. Anyway, so this is a famous scene. We've probably heard of it before. And it's so is the following encounter that Jesus had with a rich ruler. And as we look at them today, I want to ask what is the theme of these stories? and the teaching that Jesus brought out of them for us. Well, I would say in summary here that what Jesus is doing is he describes here how it is that we can enter the kingdom of God. As you will know if you've been following our whole gospel series on the Gospel of Luke this year, the kingdom of God as an idea is absolutely central to Jesus' teaching. It's central to who he was and what he did. And the kingdom of God is a big term. There's many meanings that we've explored over the year. In essence, though, the kingdom of God is a way of describing, in, a, in, a, in one phrase, all the ways that God's presence in our world will change and transform it and us in it. So the kingdom of God is the experience of forgiveness for sin. It is the experience of healing, of deliverance from evil, of justice and reconciliation that happens. All these things when God touches our lives, that's the kingdom of God. And Jesus has come to explain this to people and to make it possible for them to enter into that kingdom by what he did. So in these readings today, then, I think what he's doing is he talks about what I would describe as perhaps the attitude or the attitudes that are a necessary precondition for us if we want to properly enter into an experience of the kingdom of God. Now, just to clarify, when we talk about someone entering the kingdom of God, there are a couple of different things that we might mean. Um, And when Jesus talks about it, I think there are two senses that someone might enter the kingdom of God. So there's the future tense of the kingdom of God and then the present tense of the kingdom of God. And Jesus alludes to this in verse 30 of our reading today where he says, those who have given up things for the kingdom of God will receive, he says, receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come receive eternal life. So entering the kingdom and experiencing it can mean something to do you know with the age to come that's what we might necessarily think you know eternal life, what happens after we die, entering into heaven, etc. but it can also mean something that is in this age. and I think when it does, entering the kingdom, when Jesus talks about it in this age means experiencing the blessings of eternal life in our current life, in our current world means entering into the experience of God's presence now. And my opinion is that in these stories today, Jesus is talking about entering into the kingdom in this age, primarily when he's speaking to these people. And he's explaining our attitudes in that process. I think this because if we read the stories that Jesus says here about being about how do we enter into the kingdom in the age to come how are we saved how do we receive eternal life the interpretations of what he says become difficult to sustain so he could end up being saying for instance that in order to be saved you know to go to heaven you need to have the kind of unreflective faith that a child has or to say that rich people can't ever get to heaven it's just too hard You know, that possibility has led to some very strained and unlikely interpretations of that passage over the years in order to get around that. Famously, people have often speculated, what does it mean for this idea about a camel going through the eye of a needle? And you know, the natural picture is a fairly absurd physical impossibility. Of course a camel can't go through an eye of a needle, but people have said, oh no, maybe there's a different reason. Maybe there was this gate in the wall of Jerusalem called the needle's eye, which was so low that camels could get through, but they have to take their baggage off and squat to get through. You might have heard that idea. Now, so, that, so the idea is, oh, it's hard for a camel to get through the eye of a needle, but it's not impossible. So therefore, it must just be a bit hard if you're a rich person to get to heaven, but you just need to squeeze yourself down a little and you, you can make it. So there's no evidence that that gate ever existed. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. So I think it's much more straightforward to say that Jesus is telling us how we, now, need to approach entering into the kingdom of God and its blessings in this age and in this life. So firstly, we have this incident where parents are bringing their babies, we heard, to Jesus to be blessed. That's a natural thing for people to do. He's a holy man. He's a religious elder. But the disciples apparently think this is a waste of time and Jesus will have better things to do. And he says there his famous words, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So what's he talking about here? I don't want to disappoint our children and families minister too much, but I don't actually think this is fundamentally a passage about children as such. It's often used that way, and that's okay. And of course, children should come to Jesus. Children should be welcomed and accepted in church and not hindered in any way in their approach to God. But I think Jesus is really speaking here, and we can see that, more fundamentally about a childlike quality that is necessary for us to enter the kingdom and experience it. If we don't have this quality, we won't be able to enter it. And so he says, well, if you block children from coming to Jesus, like the disciples were trying to do, then we shows we don't understand the prerequisites of experiencing God's presence. Of course, we need to interpret what this childlike quality is because Jesus doesn't say. He just leaves it to us to infer as many possible meanings. But my idea is that fundamentally in this case, Jesus is saying that what distinguishes children from adults is that children approach life from an attitude of what we might call a kind of natural dependence and desires. So children are open, aren't they, and they're uninhibited in their desire and need for love, for attention, nourishment and enjoyment, and they pursue those things without shame and without inhibition until they're taught otherwise. Jesus, I think, is drawing us back here to the realisation that the natural state of human beings, that we are children of God, is to have a spontaneous, joyful desire to be in God's presence and to have a dependence on him for our being and for our well-being. That is fundamentally who we are. That is how we were made. What is opposed to that and how we lose that is the constructed and learned adult reality that we have of the ego identity and the attachments that we put up that put artificial barriers between us and our natural desire for God. So what we do, and you might see this in your own life, as we grow out of childhood we attach our identity over time to matters such as our achievements, our possessions, our group identity, our social class, our political party, our religion our personality characteristics, our knowledge, and many other such things. And any or all of those things can become an alternative dependence for us, apart from entering the kingdom of God as we naturally would want us to want to do. It blocks this natural desire for God. And I think Jesus is saying that unless we return at least in some way to this natural childlike dependence and desire for God, we will never enter into his kingdom won't be possible and I think this is one of the big challenges of our lives as we grow the question is for all of us how do we mature and grow as we must we can't remain a child forever and yet how do we in that retain or renew our natural childlike being before God there is a balancing act in this life you know to grow up but not to grow away from God and not to fail as we grow to remain open to the kingdom and our natural desire for it. And if we resist that balance, this is when things go wrong. At our place, we've recently started watching the TV series um, Succession, which you might be familiar with. It's about an elderly and quite unwell corporate media mogul, and he refuses to hand off control of his media empire to his children, holding on to it and twisting their family around his ego. This is this problem. It's a mistake. You will never enter the kingdom of God that way if you hold on to these things. You don't let go. And Jesus is teaching us that the kingdom of God then needs to be entered in the spirit of an infant or a child, dependent, open, and receptive to his grace. There's a picture of this in Psalm 131, verses 1 to 2. And the psalmist writes, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and weaned, my, quieted myself, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. What a restful image. He depends on God completely like a child would. No inhibitions at all. And that's hard there, though, isn't it, as we grow up, because the cares and concerns of our ego-driven, identity-driven life are so pressing, and so demanding and so engrossing that it can seem impossible to let go and return to childlike innocence with God. And and also, this innocence can be difficult to reclaim because we might have experienced pain or disappointment or disillusionment over the years with the world, with the church, with other Christian people perhaps. That's a huge problem in the contemporary Christian churches. We acknowledge our failures, the failure of innocence. And so the challenge is to move forward with Jesus through those things, through this life, into a renewed childlike faith attitude that can enter into the experience of God and his kingdom, can receive it. I was reminded this week of a quote I think that expresses some, something of this idea well to me. It's by an American theologian, a man named David Bentley Hart, and he says, Wisdom is the recovery of innocence at the far end of experience. So wisdom is the recovery of innocence at the far end of experience. And I think this is essentially what Jesus is saying in this passage. If we recover the innocence and the natural desire that we have for God, our childlike nature, which is inherent in us, we will be able to enter his kingdom now. Now. Not just after we die, because when that happens, of course, all our false self and preoccupations will be stripped away and we will be what we are. But now. So let's move then to the second part of our reading, which I think really functions as an example of this issue, is the story of a certain ruler, it says, who speaks to Jesus, whom we know from Matthew chapter 19 and Mark chapter 10. He was a rich young man. So we call him the rich young ruler usually. Now this man wants to know what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. And I think he's asking about the life of the age to come. I think he's asking about eternal life after he dies. And he probably thinks that he has that sewn up, through his genuine faith and good works. And maybe he does. He's kept all the commandments since he was a young boy. But Jesus answers him according to the present tense kingdom reality. He says, this rich young man is only prevented from this heavenly treasure by his attachment to his wealth. Jesus tells him he could, I believe, that day, enter into the kingdom and follow Jesus joyfully if he were to give that away and leave it behind. He wouldn't need to wait until he was an older man and he lost it naturally or he died to receive the blessing of the kingdom. He could have it now without waiting. He could be someone like you know, the latest in Francis of Assisi, another rich young man who gave up everything he had to pursue the kingdom of God. But this rich young man doesn't do that. We hear he goes away sad because he's very wealthy. And that's why Jesus says it's so hard for rich to enter the kingdom of God now. Wealth of that kind is so hard to move away from because, and to recover the childlike dependence upon God and desire for him when we have something else to depend upon and desire. So I think that it's good then, having read those things, to apply that to ourselves. You know? The kingdom of God is present now. That's what I'm saying. I think that's what Jesus is saying. But one of the barriers we have to experience of, experiencing that is our attitude to the identity that we have and the stuff that we have accumulated on our journey through life anything that inhibits our natural response to God the father our childlikeness now money yes like this rich young ruler it is the most obvious for us i think that almost all of us who live in contemporary australia are probably in the same position as this rich young ruler incomprehensibly wealthy by global and historical standards and usually unwilling or even unable to detach from that part of our identity, and it is sad. But also, our, you know, we have our achievements and our knowledge and even our religious identity and experiences can have the same function. Puts in the way of God and dependence on him. The disciples thought that Jesus would be more interested in meeting important, serious religious adults than talking to children. Wouldn't we think the same? but he had very little time for those people. He said, don't, I don't care. I want the children to come to me. They're the ones who know what the kingdom is about. <laughs> it's not possible for those people to enter the kingdom with him as they were. They had to let things go. So the challenges today, I think for us, is the kingdom is available to us now. God is present and his blessings are present. But it might cost us a lot of what we think of as ourselves in order to return to the state where we can enter into it fully in this life. And that's impossibly hard even to consider. And the disciples say this, don't they? In verse 26, they say, well, who then can be saved? If this is the way, who then can be saved? If a good, respectable, law-abiding, rich, young ruler in the house of Israel can't make it, then who could? What hope is there for us? Well, Jesus says, well, yeah, that's right. But in verse 27, he says, well, what is impossible with man is possible with God he can squeeze that camel tight enough to get through the eye of that needle but it might not look the same on the other side (laughs) don't dwell on that image too much it will be completely different it won't look like a camel anymore when it gets there but Jesus has promised there will be blessings through the eye of the needle he talks about some of those blessings in the rest of the passage it's worth saying that in verse 29 Jesus is probably not saying that the disciples should permanently abandon and disown their families in order to follow him. I think what he's really saying is that people who go with him on his journey of mission, who do leave behind some of their attachments, normal life to pursue pursue the kingdom, as he's asking, they won't miss out on a blessing. And in fact, they're going to enter into a kingdom where their relationships and the range of people that they are connected to will be so much greater, their spiritual family. Their childlike dependence is going to be rewarded. And so the kingdom of God is available to us now. This is what Jesus is teaching. And I think this is such a challenge for us today to evaluate our attitude to our life. What obstacles have we created to our dependence, to the experience of the kingdom? As the disciples lament, we probably can't let go of those things by our own strength. Who then can be saved? In fact, our strength of will and our mind is probably partly the problem. Because we hold on with those things how can we let go with our strength so the only thing i think that we can do then and jesus says is well you need to ask you need to ask for the grace to be changed to be squeezed through that needle and to receive the power to recover our true identity as god's children and to seek him again so let's do that today let me pray and then we're going to move on to the rest of our service Lord, we acknowledge that in this life we have almost always traded over time our natural nature as children of God for something that we make for ourselves. We pray that as we move on, you would help us to let go of the things that are in the way of your kingdom and to seek to enter into it and experience it now. Please give us the grace and the strength to do that and the joy to see it fulfilled. We pray for the blessings of the kingdom in this age and in the age to come. In Jesus' name, amen.